Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Wildcast. I'm joined again by Tom and Joe. Boys, four-point weekend in the bag. How are we doing? Good, good. Can't complain about a four-point weekend, you know, however they come. So, yeah, excellent, particularly on the road. Um, how are you? Yeah, all good. It's going to be a few talking points to come from the weekend. But, Joe, how are you? How was your hockey weekend? Oh, it's good. I had a mixed weekend. Uh, two, three, two games. One against the Bristol Pitbulls and their amazing new attire, which for some reason has a B on the front, like they think they're the Boston Bruins. Um, and obviously an absolute worldy of a goal from Mr Kane Russell. That's when you really have to go back and watch. Yeah, I am. I am looking eagerly, anticipating the highlights on that one because you did say it's an absolute beauty of a goal. Um, Tom, before we get too stuck into Saturday night, just how do I want to do this? Let's let's talk about the game first. Uh, so six-one win on the road in Milton Keynes. Um, obviously, there were circumstances that made it a slightly different game to what we were expecting when we recorded this last week. But two points nonetheless, and a good start to the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the situation in Milton Keynes in a, in a few minutes. But the, as the saying goes, you can kind of only beat what was in front of you, and it was a completely professional performance in the Wildcats on what could have been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a banana skin, as it were. So. Yeah, I mean the Cats played well. You know they capitalised on the on their chances, particularly on the power play. Um, I think three power play goals on um, five opportunities. So always, um, that's always good to good to see. And yeah, it was a it was a really you know kind of solid performance um, from the team. Uh, really good to see Jack Goodchild grabbing a goal. Um, it's, that's, I think that's been coming for a couple of weeks. He's you know, been getting closer and closer, and you know you can see the kind of energy he plays with. So it was really good for him him to get that and yeah yeah it was just a kind of good solid performance and yeah can't really complain can't really complain about any kind of 6-1 win no not at all and like you said I thought I thought the boys played well uh did what they needed to do to win that game it was a real tough place to play hockey on Saturday that atmosphere in that rink was absolutely electric it was um, loud, especially in the last kind of fifteen minutes of that game. I don't think the fans stopped chanting all night long. So absolute credit to them for that. Because why, why were they chanting Lionel Richie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had to I had to think about that one for a second. Yeah, that's a good moment. That's a good moment to work out that one. Yeah, come on. Dressed. I know it's Monday, but come on, yeah. boys. But yeah, um, no. Um, in all seriousness, credit to the MK fans. It, it was it was loud, and it was they they tried their best to make it as intimidating an atmosphere as possible. But yeah, obviously, it makes it tough to play in, and but it also makes it a really fun place to be um, when when it is that noisy and when it is that loud. Yeah, and we talked about um, it being a slightly different set of circumstances going into that game. So if you were listening and you didn't necessarily realise uh, what happened on Saturday lunchtime, uh, the Lightning put a uh, press release out to say that they had a few team changes going into the game. So they were without Bobby Chamberlain, Callum Field, Liam Stewart, Ross Green, Brandon Stones, Matt Smittle, Adam Lacerum, Lewis Christie and Sean Norris. So... I guess I'm going to Joe. I'm going to ask you this first. Uh, thoughts on the guys missing and the conversation topic at the moment is should the games have gone ahead? 
Um, obviously, so I think it was nine players, wasn't it, in the end? That uh, missing? Yeah. So you've got the nine, list in front of me. nine yeah. and the press release says, be it COVID or injury, or didn't kind of say who had what. Well, I think we were kind of aware that um, I think it was both the goalies have been carrying knocks and one of the defencemen were as well. Yeah, but the big thing is obviously uh, you're losing Liam Stewart and Callum Field. We knew were COVID because they tweeted about it. Yeah, but the big thing obviously is you're losing five of your top six. Yep. Yeah, thirty four, thirty four depends on where you fit Russ Cowley in the lineup. But yeah, four or five of your top yeah, six. Yeah, four, four, four or five and of your top goalies. six. And, yeah, and both your goalies. Um, yeah, it's a difficult situation to be put in. We said obviously at the start of the year that this is going to be something that teams kind of have to face, will have to face. It's just how it is at the moment. Obviously, Swindon faced theirs in pre-season where we lost five players. Obviously, MK, it's slightly more. But I think, as I said, it's being portrayed that it was all nine guys were out because of COVID contacts. We know a couple of them were injuries. So it's some of that's just unfortunate and it's bad timing. Um the, in terms of the games going ahead, I can see it from both sides. The fact that, obviously, yes, you, it shouldn't have gone ahead because essentially you are missing half your roster. Obviously, the guys you're going to bring in aren't going to be as good as what you're losing, which is a shame. Uh, it kind of takes away from the game, which I think is something that I know Tom has voiced his opinion on a, a bit over the weekend. Um, but on the other side of it, the Wildcats played, admittedly, pre-season friendlies with half a squad. They called on their under-18s. They called on players playing for the NHL 2 team, which MK have access to as well. They have the Thunder in South 1, who only had the one game this weekend. Uh, oh, sorry, they have they had two games this weekend, but I'm sure they would have helped out. They have the under-18s as well. They could have called on. Again, it's not an adequate replacement for what they have, but it is still bodies. What I don't agree with is players calling out the EIHA on social media saying that these or oh, sorry ex-players uh, that calling out the EIHA on social media saying how these games shouldn't have gone ahead they should have been rearranged and in the same argument complaining that the league plays too many midweek games so how can you have it both ways that you don't want them playing too many midweek games because it's a semi-professional league but demand two games be called off and rearranged for midweek because they've got COVID cases. It's it's a confusing argument to me. It's a frustrating argument. But yeah, it, in hindsight, should it have been called off? Yes. Was it called off? No. Is anybody to blame for this, really? No. no I, think, I think you're right. I think if you kind of break down that list of nine players, uh, let's assume we know, so we know that two were definitely COVID in, in Stuart and Field. Um, and obviously some of those are going to be close contacts. But like you said, we saw at the Link Centre the previous Saturday, uh, Lewis Christie limp off the ice. He couldn't walk. Uh, I don't think that's going to be COVID. Um, the goalies we know have been carrying knocks because they've talked about it in the last few weeks. If, if one of those or both of those is made it worse by playing through, um, you're talking then a team that's missing four or five guys. And I look at the Elite League this weekend and Coventry played two games with five players short because of suspension and injury. This happens. It's not quite as rare as it's, as it's made out to be. We've seen teams go into rinks with nine, 10 players before and 
sometimes you can come out with wins. And I think you're right. I think you can't complain about too many midweek games and then basically sit there and say we want more midweek games. I don't think how I don't see how that adds up. Um, and like you said, we did it in preseason. Um, and arguably, if there's any games that's easier to call off than a league game, it's going to be a preseason game. Um, Tom or Joe, either one of you, your thoughts, you both sat there looking at me as if to say, sorry, sorry Tom, before we jump. Sorry, Tom, before we jump, I'm just going to jump in there and say, but we are still early in the season. Like, you could have called this off, yes, and rearranged it later in the year. I get that argument. But if you're not going to do that, don't complain about it. it yeah. They had a choice to call the game off. I'm fairly sure if Lewis Christie or whoever's... Char- Sorry, Lewis Christie? Lewis Clifford or whoever's in charge of the Lightning phoned up Aaron and Steve on Friday night, because they would have known about this beforehand, and said... Listen, guys, we've got a massive COVID outbreak. Can we rearrange this for a midweek sometime after Christmas? I'd like to think Aaron and Steve would have said, yeah. I'd also like to think uh, the guys up at Sheffield would have said, yeah, we understand it. Because in the end, you don't want to be having teams come into your barn when you're under strength or they're under strength and not giving it 100%. I don't know how Tom feels about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. You want to be, you want to be playing. You want to be playing games against the opposition, and this is no disrespect to the guys who came up and did a really good job for them, MK over the weekend, but you want to be playing against opposition who are at a similar level to your team. You know, I don't think anyone enjoyed, you know, the years of massive disparity in, you know, South One, for example, but equally, you kind of have to, the, the show does kind of have to go on. I, I don't necessarily disagree with the argument that the league should be more assertive in this scenario. But I do think that if they were going to be, be more assertive, then a protocol would have had to have been agreed before the season by the teams and by the league. You can't just start mid-season making up when is it okay to postpone a game, when is it not okay to postpone a game. And obviously it's not on Swindon, it's not on Sheffield to postpone the game. Is there not... It's not their responsibility to, you know, wait until MK are back at full strength to play them. Teams, for various reasons, have played short, really short over the years at times and have come away with good results. And you do kind of, you know, at this level, you do kind of just have to deal with these issues. I mean, I do think maybe the league could, should have had a protocol in place, but I don't think putting one in in November is the right way to go. I think if the agreement, if the precedent and the agreement is... Games are going to go ahead regardless and you've got to find a way to put a team out, then that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, I did see a, a, another comment from a nameless ex-Milton Keynes player who met whose jersey may or may not have been retired by the club on social media about would Swindon or Leeds have played in that scenario. Well, Swindon did in pre-season. Again, admittedly, it's pre-season, but Swindon did. They called on their juniors and NIHL2 players and, and Bristol players and whoever to come in. And I have no kind of doubt that that would be the case again if there is another similar situation in Swindon this year. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect another team to call a game off for us in that scenario. I wouldn't have expected MK to have, if we'd had an issue... COVID, I wouldn't have expected Lewis Clifford to turn around and said, oh yeah, that's fine, we'll rearrange our game and 
you can come and play as a midweek when you've got a full-strength roster. I would have expected Lewis Clifford to say, well, no, we want the game to go ahead and we want two points. Um, and, I mean, maybe Leeds would have been a different scenario, but I think that's for different reasons. I think if nine players dropped out of the Leeds line, I'd be really would struggle to put a minimum size roster out because they just don't have depth, they don't have the infrastructure. So I think Leeds perhaps a slightly different scenario to other to more established teams in the league. But yeah, like I say, Swindon set a precedent and perhaps it's the wrong precedent, but I think we are now at a point where unless there are real serious issues putting teams out, games are going to go ahead. And it's easy to say early in the season, yeah, we'll cancel and rearrange. But what happens if a team who gets to Coventry has COVID? in the week running up to Coventry. Are we going to postpone the entire Coventry weekend for that one team? Probably not, because it will be an absolute logistical disaster. That team is just unfortunately going to have to deal with it. That um, sound you can hear when Tom mentions, you know, Coventry and the team getting co- that a team getting COVID and being called off. That sound you can hear is Steve Merry shuddering. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, we obviously all hope that doesn't happen, but I have no doubt that COVID is still going to be with us come, you know, May, April, May next year. And, yeah, it's something that we are going to have to start dealing with and hopefully, I mean, hopefully things improve and case numbers go down and everything. But yeah, it's not an easy situation. I really, I do feel for MK because it's hard and it is, it's not, it's not fun to be in that position where you go to a game and mo- you know most of your squ- half your squad are unavailable. But yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe it was the wrong decision, but I think the precedent is there that the games are going to go ahead. And I do think that unless there is teams that are going to really, really going to struggle to pull a squad together now, I think you're just going to have to keep the show on, show on the road and just keep rolling with it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think we kind of talked about this at the top of talking about that game. Full credit to the the way the Milton Keynes fans got behind that team on Saturday night. It was, it was actually quite almost sensational to watch at times to be yeah. fair yeah, um, the way they got behind those boys and even more credit it has to be said to the guys that stepped into that lineup from what we saw on Saturday and obviously a few extras on Sunday as well um, because yeah. they they had chances they they played a game it wasn't a complete yeah. uh, you know park yeah. the bus and you know we did not like we outshot them I don't know 80 to 2 you know like it, it was a game and yeah. we were made to work for it and it Certainly was not an easy night in Milton Keynes on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, a couple of the guys who they called up, I mean, Ross Miller, I thought, had a pretty solid game in that. And by all accounts, had another good game on on Sunday in Sheffield. I mean, Malik Martelli, who's a guy that has been mentioned in passing on the podcast and elsewhere before, he was superb. You know? And... Oh, yeah, just since Tom brought him up. Ben, do you see what we mean now? I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Uh, he he really well. and he, he's the sort of player that kind of there's excitement every time he picks the puck up, and you know there was almost that air of something's going to happen. And yeah, they did, they did have chances. I mean, I mean, Dean Skins got the cat's mother match, which I think was an okay choice. He certainly didn't do anything wrong. Um, twenty, I think, twenty-four saves on twenty-five shots. Can't really argue with that. Um, but. You know, I think there were other, other potential choices as well. I thought Ballant Picozzi had a really good game on 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 Saturday. I thought Emil Svek had a really good game, but I appreciate he's probably never going to get man of the match in Milton Keynes. Um, but yeah, and I thought, yeah, the whole team played well and did their job on a night that could have been potentially really tricky. Um, if we'd gone in there thinking, well, this game is, this game is won, 
then I think it would have potentially been a really tricky night for us. But yeah, credit to the Milton Keynes players and fans, credit to the Wildcats fans they, and, and players and staff. You know, it, it could have been a really awkward night, an uncomfortable night to watch. But at the end of the day, it was a pretty decent hockey game. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of potential banana skins, tough games, uh, we then go to Slough the following evening after they spent the last two weekends beating the beating the Knights and beating the Steel Dogs on, on home ice. Um, big 4-0 win with a shutout for Mr. Rennie Ma last night. Um, before I ask you on your thoughts, Tom, I thought the boys played really well last night. I thought that was possibly the best performance I've seen us play against the Bees team in quite a few number of years. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I think the first period was tricky for us. I don't think... I don't think we played badly, but I think we found, we found it very difficult to break um, the bees down for the first kind of 15 minutes of the game. Um, they, they obviously play a very, you know, gritty, solid style. And on that small ice and slough, it's probably more effective than it was in, in Bracknell in the old ring there. So that was obviously, it was a tough start, but I think we grew into the game. Um, we got we got the goal late in the first through Eddie Beverly, and I thought second and third we really controlled the game. We really controlled the game well. We played some really nice hockey. Um, Reddy Mar did make some big saves throughout the night as well. Like, don't let's not take anything away from him, and let's not take anything away from the Bees. They 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 banged on the door and they created chances for themselves. But yeah, it was I thought a really good team performance. And as you say, the Bees have always been that kind of. A bit of a banana skin fixture for us. They've always been tricky to break down. They kind of drag you into playing their game rather than maybe their opposition's game. And they're really good at just kind of making a hockey game really tough for the opposition. So, yeah, it was never going to be an easy night. And to come out with a 4 0 shutout win is, is fantastic. And, you know, a couple of couple of moments in the game, I'm sure we'll want to discuss more in a minute. But, yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely a big sort of a big game. I presume the moment you're talking about is Tyler Pelouse's goal. Yes. Yeah. He's he happened in the game. I was gonna say he doesn't get many, but he um when he gets them, they're generally pretty decent goals. And yeah, I thought it was to be fair, possibly the goal of the night. Two things you've been waiting for for a while, isn't it, Tom? A uh, a Tyler Pelouse goal and an Emil Schweck assist. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Emil has certainly not been. He's been putting up the points, he's been putting up the goals, but assists have been kind of hard to come by for him this year. So for him to finally see his teammate put away one of his passes is probably a good moment for him as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Pelusi took his goal really nicely. I thought it was a really good shot. And, you know, you always, you always know you're going to get a big celebration when he scores one because, as I say, he doesn't get, he doesn't get a whole ton of goals. But yeah, it was, a, it was a big moment. And I think that really, it was also probably the kind of, I wouldn't say the killer moment because obviously... The Bees had still half an hour to go and they had big chances in the third period, but it was kind of a real key moment in the game because going 3-0 up kind of gave us the, gave the Cats kind of the ability to play whatever game they wanted to do the rest of the night. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm guessing I think I know where you're going to go with this one when I say in the other moment of the game you were going to talk about was... Uh, yeah, so not probably the, the low point of the weekend for the Wildcats. Um as Thomas Malazinski, who missed Saturday in Milton Keynes um, for unspecified reasons, came back on Sunday, played a pretty 
pretty good game, as you would expect from Thomas Malazinski, and then unfortunately received a match penalty for a check to the head in the third period. Um, on I think it was Dominic Gabay. Did we? I didn't. It was Dominic Gabay. Kind of felt like I don't know about your view on this one, Ben, but it felt like a fairly innocuous hit. But it's one of those things that head contact is such a big issue in the game now that if 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 you do misjudge a hit and you make contact with a head, then you're going to be in trouble. And that's exactly what we saw with Thomas at the weekend. We know he's not that kind of player. It wasn't malicious. He wasn't going out head hunting. It was a fairly kind of innocuous looking check at the time, but. You know, Don Gabay was obviously shaken up a bit. And as soon as you make that kind of head contact and it gets seen by an official, like you're in trouble. Yeah, uh, a, a tough, tough call for, for Thomas there. And one would assume that's him probably out of the lineup for Thursday night against Telford, at unless. Least, yeah. Unless something gets changed in a in a report or an appeal process, potentially, I don't know what. No, I don't know what route the cats are going down now. But Joe, what what were your thoughts on on a four 0 win in Slough? Uh, that I should really stop going to watch us play with the bees because I haven't seen us win there in about four years. Um, that was the main <laughs> takeaway for me. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, guys, I'm not going to Slough with you anymore. Sorry, they win when I'm not there. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can't obviously be disappointed with a 4-0 win. And like you said, going too slow at the moment has proven to be a bit of a bogey trip for some teams. Bees, are, like Tom says, their game seems to suit that smaller ice. Um, they're coming into their own a bit more. They're scoring a few more goals as well, which is always good for them. Um, just not Sunday. Um, yeah, from everything I've seen and from everything I've heard, it's it's been a fairly complete performance from the Cats which is something we've been wanting for weeks now and finally they're starting to come like London buses um, <laughs> it's a good confidence booster ahead of Thursday that's the main thing about it, you're going into Thursday now on the back of an important weekend where with two teams that we have notoriously been a bit hit and miss against and we've got two big wins and we're now going into a third game in a week against the other team we're usually a bit hit and miss against. So I would say if they're not confident, even without Malash going into this, I'd be disappointed. Um, obviously, losing Thomas for any length of time, be it one game, be it potentially six, cough, EIHA, cough, um, is, a myth, is obviously massive. There are players who can step up. It's whether or not they will. They've obviously got. A, there is an opportunity there now for someone, be it someone from lower down on one of the lower lines, the second or third line, or whether it is one of the young two-way players to actually step up onto that line with Aaron and show him what he's got, what they've got. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's other guys are going to have to step up if Malash is indeed out of the lineup for any period, whether that's one or more games, but. The one thing I would say, you mentioned confidence boost. I mean, how much of a confidence boost is that going to be for Reddy Ma? He's had an up and up and down start by his standards, I would say. I think we would all agree that maybe he's not quite been at his best to begin the season, but to get a big shutout, you know, four days before a cup semi-final, that's only gonna only gonna help him. And yeah, hopefully that will really give him a confidence boost um, moving forwards. To use the cricket parlance that we all know, 
one brings two. That's, we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> that would be nice. And and that I mean, good performances, not just shutouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You oh, take a shutout as well. Even so, but I mean, just just jumping on what you said there, Tom. Yeah, and like you said, it it wasn't just a routine shutout. That there were big saves in that, and I yeah. think that's as much of a confidence boost as keeping it down to zero. To be honest, and to be yeah. fair, I'm going to say this as well. I thought Dino was unlucky on Saturday not to get one too. I know yeah, we don't want to be too, we don't want to be too uh, too greedy with the shutouts, but um, it was a it, he was not a fault for that goal that was conceded Saturday night. Yeah. No, he, was, he was close to close to being two from two, but you know ifs buts maybe's. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the cats weekend, um, which means Joe. What happened everywhere else? What did happen everywhere else? Well, we'll start with Saturday night. Uh, down in Rumford, Raiders 2, Sheffield Steel Dogs 5. Another big, big win for the Steel Dogs. 2 plus 1 for Lee Bonner, 1 plus 2 from, you guessed it, Jason Hewitt. Uh, interesting, fun one from the night from the Raiders' perspective. I don't know if you can call it fun. Shots on goal for the first period. On Ethan James, 10. On Dimitri Zamozdra, 0. Put some respect on that man. <laughs> yeah, so much respect they went nowhere near him for 20 minutes, apparently. It's not, it's not, it's it's not hard to be the best net in the league when you don't face a shot. <laughs> yes. Somehow, I, even though I'm not there, I do have this mental image that Zamozdra basically got about 10 minutes in, realised nothing was happening, so just sat on the net like Carrie Lettinen did in that game a few years ago for Dallas. You know, read the paper, water bottle, anything happening? No. <laughs> Before we, move again, on, before, we, before we move on on that one, I mean, I sent, we have a group chat for the podcast and I sent a message to it in MK, having seen that on Twitter before, during warm-ups in MK, and said, do we think this is a typo? Apparently not. Apparently, Apparently that was not. Genuinely, genuinely the amount of shots that he faced. One word. Oof. Leeds Knights 4, Telford Tigers 7. Uh, it's not often you get a hat-trick and you end up on the losing side. Sorry, Brandon Whistle, that happens to be you this week. Three plus one, a point on every single goal. I'm sure Wildcats fans are heartbroken. Ben and Tom are very much so. Uh, Rick Plan, 4.9 for the Tigers. Also, 4.9 for Jason Silthorne. He also with a hat-trick. Uh, Wildcats representation in this one, and I don't obviously mean by the fact that we own the Leeds Knights. Uh, Tyler Perry was called up on Saturday morning to be the starting netminder for the Leeds Knights with Sam Gospel out injured from last week. Uh, he gave up seven on 38 shots in his first game. Personally, I just think it was a mean way of avoiding going to Gospel Ice Rink. It's lovely. Why wouldn't you want to go there, Tyler? Carrying on with this, uh, Ethan Frame, the Wildcats 2 goalie, and I believe the under-18s goalie at the moment, was the backup for the Telford Tigers of all teams. I probably would have thought it would have been Leeds. But no, he backed up Jordan Lauday in the Tigers net on Saturday. Uh, more on him in a bit. Rounding off Saturday, it was finished. Basic set Bison 7, Bees Ice Hockey Club 6, former Wildcat Adam Harding celebrating 500 games for, well, just in general. Um Always nice to see a former player get 500 games. Any milestone is worth celebrating, especially one like that. Um, he he came out with two plus one in that game. Ryan Webb and Dominic Goodbye with 3.9 to the Bs. George Norcliffe finishing the game off for the Bison he, with his second goal. Um, again, we all love goalie stats on here. The Basingstoke absolute assassination of Alex Metham's save percentage, giving him six goals on 28 shots. Yeah. 
don't know why, but they don't like him. <clears throat> uh, Sunday, Sheffield completed their four-point weekend by beating the MK Lightning 3-1, just two point out for Matt Bissonnette, as the Lightning became the first team this year to not let Jason Hewitt score. Kudos, Ross Miller. He gave up three on 41 shots. Um, it was just, not, as you guys said earlier, it's just nice to see Ross Miller getting his shot. He's played for the Cardiff Devils NHL 1 team. They then became, obviously, the Fire. He moved to Oxford. And he's gotten his shot. Um, as you said it as well, Saturday night, he was very good. Sunday, he clearly was as well. Um, but, obviously, he's not the demigod. Uh, one goal on 26 shots for Dimitri Zamostra. You know the line by now. Peter Phantoms 5, Basie Stoke Bison 3, a three-point night for Glenn Billing, two goals for Nathan Salem as the Phantoms start to slowly turn their season around. Bison, a slow one. Adam Jones, the in person, did multiple points for the Bison that night. Uh, up in Telford, the reverse leg. Telford Tigers 8, Leeds Knights 5. Uh, just what they would want in a four-point weekend going into Cup semi-finals without Brad Day for both games. Jordan Lauday getting to start both nights and two wins. Five-point night for Jason Silverborn, two plus three. Four points for Scott McKenzie, two plus two for the Knights. Uh, Two-man show, really. Kieran Brown, five-point night, one plus four. And Brandon Whistle, once again, three plus one. Eight points for the weekend for Whistle. And uh, uh, does quick maths, nine for Silverthorne. Tyler Perry, once again, in goal for the Knights. Seven goals on 36 shots. Um, highlight of the night, apparently. No one seems to know what happened. No one's got video footage. And I'm hoping it turns up on the Telford Tigers highlights this week. Dave Whistle, apparently going absolutely mental at a call, fell off the bench. Um, <laughs> I've not heard that. I've seen it go around to it. No one seems to have video of it at the moment. Dave Whistle apparently lost his rag at a refereeing call and fell off the bench. Uh, oh, Dave. So just before we, as we move on, the National League table as it stands at the moment, it's the Sheffield Steel Dogs on top, 14 points, played seven, one eight. Sorry, played eight, one seven. I'll get that the right way round. 50p. Uh, Telford Tigers played eight, one six. They're on 13 points. The Wildcats sitting third with 11 points from seven. Raiders are in fourth, seven from eight. Basingstoke, MK, Leeds and the Bees all tied on six. And the Peter Phantoms, four points from their eight games. Uh, I believe Tom said it to me on Sunday that it's just nice. It's at the moment, it's a breakaway group of three in Sheffield, Telford, Swindon, and then just six teams beating each other senseless. Yeah, and just before we move on to anything else that Joe or Tom may have lined up, because I feel like they've got a couple of bits each. Um, on the subject of 50p's, Joe, I don't think yes. I told you this. Um, Tom, how was the second period on Saturday night? Oh, it was great. It was absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I did watch it. I didn't watch it from the Wildcats block. You um, were in the queue for Papa John's, weren't you? The entire oh, period. I was in the queue. I wasn't in the queue. I was waiting there. I was waiting down that end of the rink with my little buzzer. You know, waiting, waiting for my... The team. whole point of the buzzer is you can go and watch the game and then come get the pizza. I know, but it's a, but, it, but I just knew that the moment that I, I gave up and walked all the way down to the Wildcats block, the buzzer would go off and I'd have to walk all the way back down the end of the rink again. Plus, we were shooting that direction, so I kind of just said, you know what, I'm going to stand here. Like I said... But yeah, I will take in my book. You missed the period. 50p. Feel free to bill Papa John's. We are in Basingstoke <laughs> on Saturday. They might pick the bill up there. I don't know. And next time you have to go to MK, you have to get a picture with Pucky. Oh, Stood no. next to him. Oh no. Everyone loves Pucky. Pucky was at his Pucky best on Oh Saturday. no. 
I want to bring that one up because I know you decided, obviously, speaking of mascots, I know we all love Pucky. Um, I hear from reliable sources that some close friends of yours, Ben, and yours, Tom, their children started crying in Slough on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> Again. Uh, yes, we had we had tears in the Wildcats block on, on Sunday in Slough when Busby the mas- when Busby the Wild the Wildcats, the bees mascot came strolling around to visit the away fans and sent children all over all over the block into floods of tears. We had one child try to run away. It was absolute carnage. The so yes, maybe maybe not the finest moment of that said mascot's career. So if he's listening, Bud, on Saturday, if you're still a thing, I'm not sure. I feel like I haven't seen you for a few years. Um, try not to be as scary as the bees mascot. <laughs> uh, obviously, in the other bits of news, uh, Leeds Knights made an import signing, a loan signing, I believe they're classing it as, Phil Edgar from the Whitney Warriors. And... The one thing that I think Ben should be fined for because he didn't bring it up in the review of the Wildcats games. I haven't mentioned did. it yet. It was going to be a special thing, but I know what you're going to talk about. Go on. I'll, tell you, I'll pay the 50p. Oh, no. Sam Buller's playing his 600th game. Yeah, that was going to be the uh, one of the last points on this. But yes, I'll accept the 50p for not mentioning it at the time. But obviously, Saturday was Sam Buller's 600th game Sunday. There we go. That's, a, that's up to a pound. Let's try this one again. Sunday was Sam Bullis's 600th game for the Wildcats and also Stuart Mogg's 500th career game as well. So uh, a big stick tap to to Stuart. But yeah, Bully 500, 600 games. I'm going to get this right in a minute. Bully 600 games. What more can that we talk about that guy and why he's brought to Swindon, guys? Get that. All I would say with Sam Bullis at this point is the moment that he retires, the moment that he play, finishes his final game, get the jersey off him and get it retired. You know, I don't say that for many players. I don't say that for many players. Um, no, I, think I, I don't. I don't think you retire Sam Bullis's jersey. I think you retire Kurt Reynolds's jock strap first. <laughs> yes, that already yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, the final. Yeah, the final moments of. Um, yeah, no, but in all seriousness, I. Um, I don't. I don't think you can take jersey retirement lightly. I think perhaps it's too easy to say player A has been here for too, a long time, retire his jersey. Player B has done a lot, retire his jersey. But Sam Bullis has he's done everything for nearly thirteen years now in Swindon. You know he's done work off ice. He's been a warrior on the ice. He's captain the club. He's won scored some huge goals. He's won trophies. He scored the winning goal in our in the year Morton Trophy final to be the first Wildcat you know, trophy in however many years it was, you know. It's very easy to say a player has played here a long time, retire his jersey. And I think the, the absolute key is, you know, Lee Richardson, who was Mr. Swindon Wildcats for a long time, his jersey is not retired in Swindon. So it is something that is a really kind of special thing that should only be reserved for a handful of players. But I think 13, 13 is probably, in my view, the next one that should go up and not be worn again by another wildcat. I was about to say, I think the the nicest thing I could say about Sam Bullis is probably that I do not want to see a single person ever step foot on that ice pad in a wildcat shirt wearing number 13. Uh, Apart from Sam Bullis. (laughs) 
No, yeah, of course. Apart from bully, apart from bully, uh, yeah, there is just no words to describe what he's brought to the organization and the town of Swindon and just everything. And I, do you know what? I know that his head will be getting bigger if he's if he is listening to this, but I just hope he carries on for a few more years. Yeah, Double not? testimonial? Why not? We've joked about it, but you never know. He'd only be. Six, anybody could do 600 games do not 800 900 do a Tony yeah. Hand yeah exactly but in, yeah in all seriousness we talk about it like however many more years but he's got left in the tank you know he's all he's going to go down as he's almost certainly going to end up as the all-time appearance record holder if he already he might or even already he, be the appearance record holder he isn't yet but I believe that's another record that potentially is going to be smashed before we get to the Coventry finals we can put it that way yeah, so he's close to the all-time record appearances you know he's done so so much for the club like it's yeah it unfortunately kind of fell on an away game but you know I'm sure there's be plenty of opportunity to celebrate all of these records that he's breaking over and appearance records that he's breaking at some point in the future but I'll blame yeah, him. For no, that definitely because... great. For, definitely great to see him get to 600. I'll blame um, him for that because if he hadn't got injured the week before, his 600th game would have been at home against Milton Keynes. And what happened in that game? Oh, he scored a hat trick. True, but we know he wouldn't have scored the hat trick if it had been the 600th game. It's just no, how I think, it worked. I, I, just, I think just for that, your £1 fine should actually be paid by Bully. <laughs> <laughs> if he is listening, I'll take it off his printing credit. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, boys, anything else before we hand over to this week's horror show? That for once, for once, it's a news week where there's nothing horrible to talk about. Yay! Big cheers for that. Well done, hockey. You've not been terrible for one week. Now let's one, let's let's. I, let's, want, let's I might that. do that. I have a whiteboard in my in my office here. I might put that. You know that whole. It's been this many weeks since disaster. One. Yeah. Let's see what happens. See how, see how far we get, shall we? Let's see what happens next week because we've got, well, Tom's going to do his horror bit in a minute for, for the Cats games, but I know there's at least about three other midweek games going on this week, so so who the hell knows what's going to happen by next, we record next Monday. Tom? Are we ready to go? Are you ready for the horror show? And don't forget you've got three games. I am, I know, I am. This is, this is big pressure, you know, having an extra game to talk about. Go for it. So, Wednesday night at the... 50 I've already screwed it up. I've already screwed it up. I'm changing it back to zero. Okay, let's try this again. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. Tom, horror show, go. Thursday night at the Betterling Centre. Swindon Wildcats taking on the Telford Tigers in the first leg of the... Autumn Cup semi-finals, 7.30pm face-off. Um, tickets available on sale from the Wildcats website, streams available from the Wildcats website, etc., etc. Saturday and Sunday, we're back on the road for another double-header away weekend in the league. Basingstoke Bison in Basingstoke, obviously. 6.30 face-off on Saturday. And then off to Romford to take on the Raiders at a 5.15 face-off on Sunday. Remembrance Sunday, as it would be. Um, and I believe we're to stream. So there are streams of that one. Obviously, tickets available from the Planet Ice website for the Basingstoke game and from the Raiders website for the Raiders game. I can definitely say the Raiders stream, but they would stream my game yesterday. 
And obviously, you're forgetting the other key point of if you are there for the Raiders game on Sunday, all three of us are in the building. Yes, so do come and say hello. Tom might even bring his corner. It's Remembrance Sunday after all. <laughs> they'll need someone to play the last post. Sure, they'll find someone better than me. And if you bring your pot, then feel free. Tom will put 50p's in any pot for the, uh, for the horror show. Uh, it, it doesn't yeah. just have to be one. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, unless there's anything else from either of you, again, the shake of the head on the video podcast is, no, uh, is for me. saying that's nothing a no. So uh, last week was a slightly longer episode. So therefore, you're lucky this week's going to be a sh- slightly shorter one. Um, yeah, we've got Cup semi-final hockey on Thursday. Enjoy it. It's going to be crazy game of hockey, I'm sure. And we'll be back next week where we will digest that and the Wildcats games on the road in Basingstoke and against the Raiders and even talk about what's going to happen in the second leg of the Cup next week or the week after next. But until then, stay safe and enjoy your hockey.